Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. Uh, my name is John and uh, I'm the pastor here at City Light North Adelaide. And it's my pleasure uh, to again welcome you uh, tonight. We, yeah, last, last uh, Sunday we didn't have a meeting here because uh, we, along with Glenelg, uh, along with Port Adelaide, were uh, closed down our evening services and all gathered in Port Adelaide to launch uh, Port Adelaide uh, Anchor Church, which is part of the City Light family of churches. So um, we're going to continue to be in prayer for the guys out at Port um, who we are um, yeah, walking alongside and supporting. And, uh, and so keep praying for them. Um, keep uh, chatting to them. Keep encouraging those guys as well as they do for us. Um, it's really great that we can partner together across our city uh, for the gospel. We have been uh, doing a series for those of you who are, who are visiting um, here tonight. We're, we're really glad that you've joined us. We've been doing a series for the last, I think this is the seventh, seventh week, eighth week, two weeks left after this, um, called Asking for a Friend. And so what we did is that uh, back uh, nine, ten weeks ago, we put out some questions to you guys and said, uh, if you could ask a question for a friend, or if there's questions that your friends are asking and you want to ask for a friend, so those questions that you really want to ask, that you really want to have answered, but you kind of don't want to put your hand up and say, I'm asking this question, uh, we wanted to answer those questions. And so we've been journeying through a number of those. Um, and so uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, uh, next week we've got uh, our discipleship director, uh, Tyler Shedd, coming in to uh, help us look at, yeah, we're, we've got a little woo from the front. It is a woo moment. He's, he's a great guy. Um, coming in to help us uh, look at and examine uh, how Christians, Christians should engage with uh, social media and media in general. Uh, and then following that, the last week, we're going to look at uh, what do Christians think about marriage, uh, and so we're gonna, which has kind of uh, become more topical in the last uh, even fortnight, especially with this uh, plebiscite that's been called. So we're going to look into some of those issues and how we should engage in that space. Uh, but tonight... We are asked, answering the question that was asked. This question was asked by a lot of folks in a lot of different ways. Um, we're going to answer some of the different things that come around this. But the question for tonight is this. It's 2017. Why are Christians still against abortion? It's 2017. Why are Christians still against abortion? Um, I have to say, just put it out there, I have not actually, as a preacher, been particularly looking forward to this topic because it is a hard topic. It is not... Uh, something that we actually speak about often. Uh, it is a difficult topic, and thankfully God's grace abounds. So I would ask that you would have grace for me uh, as I preach to you this topic, and also that we have grace for one another. And I do want us to be—I want us to be careful because we're not actually just talking about something theoretical. We're actually talking about people's lives and people's experiences. Um, in Australia. Uh, one in three women have had an abortion. And in Australia today, one in four pregnancies actually ends in abortion. And so this isn't just theory. This is something that is real. Um, something that people either have been, are going through, or may face in the future. So tonight, I am going to strongly say that, that we as, as Christians uh, are against abortion. But I actually also want to want to equally say just as strongly that if you are here and you've had an abortion, or if you've encouraged someone else to have an abortion, or even if you're personally undecided on the issue, you are welcome here. We want you to be here. And we understand that you might actually find tonight uncomfortable. Um, and so we thank you for staying with us. 
Um, if, you're, if you have had an abortion and, and you feel convicted over that, we want to say up front that we actually have a, a gospel of good news that there is forgiveness available. And if you have had an abortion, we love you. We're glad you're part of our church. And I cannot personally imagine the heartache that you would have, would have felt being put in that position that you were in. And I don't think that, that anyone would take that decision lightly. We don't want to trivialise this issue. If you're here today and you're perhaps even considering abortion as an option right now or thinking that it could be an option for you in the future, then, then my hope and prayer is that as we delve into the Word together and get to know the heart of God and, and, and what that means for us, um, that you would perhaps reconsider. So tonight, here's where we're going. We're going to look at some scripture. Um, we're going to look at what God's Word says about the value of human life and where we draw the value of human life from. And then I want to kind of look at some, some sub-questions involving uh, questions of disability. Uh, and we want to look at some local statistics about this stuff, uh, talk about birth control a little bit, and then look at why I believe that we as Christians need or should be speaking up for those who are not yet born, but also walking alongside those who are suffering with the heartbreak of this decision, uh, and also the cost of raising children uh, in less than ideal circumstances if they go through with having that child. So I want to pray that this will actually be a message of hope that will inspire us to, um, to be people that are about living for life, not just about saying no to something that is of death, but living for all of life. So let's pray. I think we need it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so very good to us. I pray that as we uh, spend some time together uh, in your word, that you will come and speak to us by your Holy Spirit. We pray for your grace to abound in this room. We ask that you would help bring clarity to confusion, um, that you would help bring hope to hopelessness, um, that you would help us to be a people who love deeply and genuinely. We thank you that you are so very good to us that um, no matter who we are, where we've been, what we've done, or what's been done to us, Lord, that you love us, you seek us, you want us. No one is too far from you. And so we want to ask that you would um, be with us tonight. Amen. I want to uh, start by opening up the word uh, in Ephesians 5, verses 6 to 13. We're going to be in three different scriptures mainly tonight. Um, and I think this is kind of topical. It's, it, this text was not originally about the issue of abortion, but I think that one of the, the things that really clouds all the clarity of this issue is the way the terminology and the language is put around this issue. And we're going to look into that. And in fact, that's actually changing a little bit, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but let's just read this, Ephesians 5. It says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to speak of the things that they do in secret. 
But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. One of the interesting moves in um, this debate, this highly politicised debate in recent times and recent years, is the fact that one of the biggest arguments is when is a, a, a fetus a baby? When is it a human life? When does it have moral dignity and value? And I want to put forward the idea that it's easy to be deceived by empty words or distortions of what's actually happening. Uh, instead of saying killing an unborn baby, we call it terminating a pregnancy or women's health care or an individual's right to privacy, freedom and liberation or perhaps even a compassionate alternative to an unprivileged life of disability or poverty. And instead of calling it a baby, we say it's a fetus or a clump of cells or an extension of a woman's body over which she has every right to do with what she wants. But more recently, uh, a lot of uh, abortionists and abortion activists have actually admitted or, or come out and said, no, actually, we agree, it is a life. It is actually a life from conception, but we believe that freedom is more important than that. Abortion today, there are um, a huge number of children aborted every year in our world. It's approximately 125,000 every day in the world. Um, in Australia, South Australia is in fact one of the only, is the only state to keep really good statistics on uh, pregnancy outcomes. Uh, and the last report that is available that's been released is from 2014, so it's quite recent. Uh, if you want to access it yourself, it's called the Pregnancy Outcomes Report and it's available on the SA Health website. So this is all just statistics from the website. Uh, and according to that report, there are uh, 4,650 uh, abortions every year in South Australia. And that's approximately, if you do the maths, 13 babies uh, every day in South Australian hospitals and clinics. That's a lot of babies. And so we see that this issue is actually a big issue. Um, a direct, this is directly from the, this report. It says that the pattern, this is the reasons why people would do this. The pattern for reasons for termination of pregnancy remains similar to previous years. So this is from the report. With 95.4% performed for the women's mental health, 3.7% for serious handicap of the fetus, and 0.7% for specified medical conditions, so for the baby having an abnormality. It's easy when we talk about this issue to jump to the extremes, to jump to well, what about rape, what about abnormalities in babies and things like that. But the category of 95.4% for mental health reasons is, is kind of hiding or masking the fact that that most often is lifestyle or distress, being upset about being pregnant. The actual bulk of abortion, the typical abortion is sought by a woman in her 20s for lifestyle reasons. And there are um, a lot of different reasons people seek this out. 
One of the other questions we had uh, related to this question is about disability. If God knits people together in their mother's womb, was this question, why did he knit in such a way that these kids have uh, disabilities or birth defects? A recent kind of development in medical history is that we can actually test for um, disabilities and things before um, early in a pregnancy. Um, but the scans and the tests that they do are not actually perfect and they are error. Uh, and so perfectly healthy babies are um, regularly aborted. Um, I actually know of a couple who were told that their baby had an abnormality, um, but they decided that they did not want to go down that path um, and the baby was born perfectly healthy. And this, we don't know how often that happens. Um, when it comes to disability, I think that this is an important thing for us as Christians to consider um, why do we want to abort babies who have disabilities? Um, there have, in fact, been no babies born in Iceland with Down syndrome for the last nine years. Sorry, I think I'm going to cry. Just got to keep preaching anyway, hey? And around... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay to cry. Did you know that? <laughs> um, around 90% of uh, Down syndrome babies in the West, like Australia, are actually aborted. And we think we're a progressive society. Um, there's actually... Um, uh, I think that it's a really interesting thing that as a society we can encourage uh, disabled people and we can hold them up uh, as examples and we can say um, look at the amazing things that these people can do but on the other hand we can slaughter them um, what is that? a show on the ABC uh, called You Can't Ask That uh, where people can, a little bit like what we've done with our sermon series, people can send in questions that you would want to ask but don't want to be caught asking. And they had a, a particular week about Down syndrome. And um, they were asking them questions like, why are you so happy all the time? Uh, why do you always like hugs? Are you ever sad? And interestingly, people with Down syndrome have extremely high rates of happiness. They did a, a survey, uh, this is out of the US, but I imagine it's quite similar here, that 99% uh, of people with Down syndrome who were surveyed uh, said that they were happy with their lives. 97% uh, answered yes to the question, do you like yourself? And 99% agreed with the statement, do you love your family? I'm going to say, with the general population, could we say that was true? Who else comes close to that? I mean, in your own life, would 99% of everyone in this room say that they're happy? Do we really want to eliminate a group of people who bring such joy to life? Disability helps us to know God because through it, we learn compassion. We learn to love people different to ourselves. 
I will make it to the end of the sermon. <laughs> I might actually have to skip a section. I believe that in the second coming, um, people will be healed. Um, but the suffering that we experience now in this life isn't just to be avoided, because it helps to train us for righteousness. I want to ask the question of what will make the church and our world look more glorious, um, more loving, more full of compassion? Is it um, exterminating anyone that we don't see as perfect? Or is it being a loving community that supports those who are born with difficulties and their families so well that the evidence of God's love and grace are irrefutable? Another reason that uh, people commonly um, seek abortion is that their baby is female. Um, the greatest percentage of aborted babies are female. And this is uh, particularly uh, prevalent in male-dominant cultures. So this is, in fact, a feminist issue. Real feminists should be anti-abortion, I believe. And... One of the, the what makes up the biggest block of people who seek an abortion is an inconvenient pregnancy. So, getting pregnant in a relationship that you didn't think was stable, or a one night stand, or even I've already had enough kids, or I'm too young, or I'm working on my career right now. Um, the mean age for marriage in Australia is 28, but the mean, the greatest majority of, of abortions happen in mid to early 20s. Um, this actually is not an issue that I want to just lump on women either. This is also a men's issue. Uh, and this is a societal issue because we have created a society in which people do not feel that they can actually have that child and have that baby and be cared for and be not judged and ha be supported um, to actually care for that child uh, and still have a life. The truth is that having a child will change your life. Uh, I became a dad uh, a year and a half ago. You do not know how much having a child will change your life until you've done it. But your life will not be over. It changes your plans. And especially if the child is unexpected, it will change your plans dramatically. But how often has life not gone to plan? And how often is it the things that we don't plan that actually turned out to be some of the best. So, this all stems from the fact that, uh, on the whole, Christians have a different worldview. We see the world differently. We talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago um, when we were kind of delving into philosophy, but um, if we see the world purely biologically, then a fetus is, is just cells, just an extension of the mother. And it kind of springs up from the, the Darwinist ethic. And so therefore, it's not a question of, is this a life or not? It's a question of, okay, this is some genetic material um, and everything's just animals, so, so what? Others see the world philosophically. You know, the whole, I think, therefore I am. And if we go down this line, that's when we get into quality of life ethics. 
So in a, in a kind of philosophical worldview, humanity or whether something, someone is a human or not is defined by certain traits. Rationality, complex thought. And this is largely where the questions of disability come in. If someone can't operate at a normal level, are they worthy of life? We teach joy in difficulties. And I think that the diversity that things like disability bring to our society and our world should actually be celebrated. Christians have a different worldview because of what we believe is Imago Dei, which means the image of God. If we are basically just biology, just like the animals, then it's meaningless, it doesn't matter. They're just cells, it's no different than killing an animal. And if we are simply viewing life in a philosophical lens, and if it's going to affect your life in a negative way and bring you pain, then who, are you, who is anyone to tell you you are wrong? But Christians on the whole see abortion as wrong because we believe in the Imago Dei. We see people from a biblical perspective, and that is that our, our dignity and our worth and our value is not based on our level of ability or disability. It's not based on our gender. It's not based on whether or not our parents want us. It's based on the fact that we bear the image of God. So we believe that all human life is precious based on the simple fact that people are made in the image of God. Uh, Genesis 1, verses 26 to 31, talking about the creation story, says this. And then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The Bible actually teaches us that that humans are created differently to animals. If we look through the entire creation story, we see that nothing else in creation is made in the image of God. There's an intimate act in, in which, through creation, God actually makes, sets humanity apart as different from the animals. Uh, and Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, says this, You formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, as yet there were none of them. When as yet there were none of them. We believe that, that humanity... That life starts at conception. In fact, actually, we believe it starts before then. We believe that God knew us before the foundation of the world. The issue here is whether or not the life 
uh, inside uh, of a mother is a human or not. And the Bible teachers and Christians believe that that life was um, chosen by God, was knit together by God, is precious to God. And so what can we do about that? If you have had an abortion or if you have pressured someone into having one um, or if you have encouraged someone, paid for someone to have one, um, there is forgiveness for that. There is grace for that. But it's not enough to just be uh, against killing. I think we as Christians need to be about more than that. We need to be for life in all of its forms. It's not enough to kind of just to say that we are against abortion. We have to actually be part of a culture that is creating life. And we get our life from the sun. We get our life from Jesus. It's not enough to just say we believe that um, unborn babies shouldn't be killed. We actually need to walk alongside those who are suffering with the costs of this. We need to be a community that displays the depth of love that is possible to support people so that they feel free to be able to choose life. Um, to make a community that displays the glory of God in all its richness and fullness. Now, I'm not going to stand here and pretend that I have been in anyone's shoes who has had an abortion and know what that is like. I don't know what that's like. I don't want to stand here and say, in a seat of judgment and say that you are any worse than anyone else because all of us daily rely on the grace of God. All of us. But what I do want to say is that we as a, as a Christian community can be about creating a culture that promotes life, that allows for life. I think we need to be a culture that extends grace to single parents. Single parents are doing it tough. They are doing something that, trust me, I'm, I'm a parent of a boy and I have my wife with me and that is hard enough. Doing that on your own, we need to get around these people and support them and not ever shame someone for being a single parent. I just want to also say, if you're, you are a member of this church uh, and you get pregnant or if you get someone pregnant outside of marriage, I want to encourage you, don't hide that shame. Don't secretly go and get an abortion. There are consequences for your sin, but committing another sin to cover it up is not the answer. We're a church that believes the gospel, and none of us is perfect. None of us is without sin. And the good news is that God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us, uh, to cover our shame. So if you are pregnant, or if you uh, get someone pregnant outside of marriage, you don't actually need to kill your son or daughter to try and hide your shame because God has sent his son to forgive us our shame. We don't need to hide who we are. We can come out into the light. We can be with Jesus and be honest and he will love us. So I just want to encourage us to, to be a people that actually supports uh, those who are pregnant or who have kids or who are ha having babies in situations that we 
actually wouldn't say were ideal. And in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be talking about how our Christian idea of marriage uh, is you know, one husband, one wife, and that is the place we believe you know, for the raising of children. But reality is that we are sinful human people, and that is actually not the majority of families in this case. The, the majority of kids tonight actually um, go to bed without a father in their home. And so we need to actually know that that is true and that people uh, do that and that the Christian ideal is actually not reality uh, day to day and that uh, when people are in that situation, rather than judge them, we love them. Uh, Rather than pour out judgment on people, we pour out grace on people. Um, And so uh, I'm going to finish up in prayer in a moment. Um, And if you want to know the section I skipped, I'll I'll email it to you or something. Um, finish up in prayer and basically say that um, we believe that all human life, all level of ability is precious to God because he has given us his image. Um, we want to be a community that is about extending love and grace no matter who we are or where we've come from. Uh, we want to be a community that promotes life uh, by loving all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so very good to us. We thank you that although none of us can say that we have lived a life without sin, you pursue us, you send your son for us. You want us in relationship with you. Lord, I pray for any here who have had an abortion or who have encouraged an abortion, Lord, Um, to know that you love them, that you are for them, um, that you sent your son uh, to cover a multitude of sin and shame. Um, Lord, I want to also pray uh, in communal repentance for us as a church and as a community that have not actually supported and made a culture where people can easily choose life, but have actually been part of the problem, part of the shame. And so, God, we ask that you would um, help us to be a community of life that um, brings life to our world, that shows your love. Uh, And we ask that you would uh, help us to be uh, a church that displays your glory in the way that we love others. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.